You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another awesome episode of Ask Drone You. We've got a very special guest today, Mr. Stephen Sharp. Now, Mr. Stephen Sharp is an experienced uh, law enforcement officer working in a municipal, well, department in L.A. County. And the reason that Stephen is here today is really to discuss what they are using for accident reconstruction, the programs that they're using, the processes that they're using, the workflows that they're using. As many of you know, this industry moves at light speed and people who have once been labeled as failures by yours truly seem to have evolved and uh, made significant progress and offered some incredible products. And that's why it's so important to stay flexible uh, in this industry. But Steve, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing? Thanks for having me, Paul. It's great to be out here. I was just in the neighborhood, thought I'd stop by and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. It's, it's good to have you here. And, uh, you know, for all of you, if you haven't really seen what's going on in accident reconstruction, uh, some of you know, some of you may not know, uh, DroneU does have an accident reconstruction course. Uh, we're actually the NTSB required trainer for that particular course. But, you know, Steve, I keep seeing some major deviations uh, between, you know, what the federal investigators are doing and uh, versus kind of everybody else. And, and what I mean is, you know, here at, at that class, our class that we teach for the investigators, uh, we we really go down the rabbit hole on georeferencing, you know, marking GCPs to make sure that in our map is as absolutely accurate as possible. But it seems like that might be a complete and total waste of time for other departments when we're trying to essentially just create uh, a JPEG or a PDF of a particular accident scene and make some some measurements. Is that right? Yeah, we started, um, like you said, we were doing everything as, po- as accurate as possible. And so we were using a total station which shoots a laser and it, it's basically what a surveyor would use. And we're tying that into our uh, map that we would create with our data sets from you know our drone flights. And then we were doing an arbitrary um, type grid, mm-hmm. and we were we were getting our measurements off that, which was taking. Uh, it was shorter than using just the total station, but it was it was um, shortening our time by you know hours. But then what we realized is, okay, do we really even need to do all that? Because um, if we're going to be sub millimeter accurate versus you know tenths of an inch accurate, was that really important? So. Uh, we discussed it with our DA's office because it really depends on the DA's office in the area that you're working because we're presenting the case to them. And if the DA is okay with the level of accuracy and how we're proving it, we found that maybe we're wasting some time by trying to get super, super accurate. So long story short, we had a major case and the DA's office, uh, when we presented it to them, they they had never seen anything uh 3D modeling, mapping. They'd never seen that before. And so all they really wanted to know is, have you been trained to use this software for one? And then they also wanted to know, hey, what uh, what did you use to verify that this measurement is 10 feet? So basically what we would do is we throw a ruler out and we would say, look, um, when we process it, when I click point to point, it shows it's 10 feet. When I was on scene, it was 10 feet. And as long as I could testify to that, they said that that's 
that's fine for case purposes. So when it comes to really the goal of accident reconstruction, essentially what we're trying to do is create just a, a document, just just some sort of visual documentation of the scene in the fastest means possible to capture all the information regarding that scene to essentially shorten the, the time that roads are blocked, traffic is inhibited, because at the end of the day, that costs a lot of people, including the state, money, right? I mean, we, we did one study where we found it can cost almost up to a million dollars an hour on an interstate when an interstate is shut down by an accident. So re to reduce multiple hours is huge, right? Millions of dollars of effect in some uh, particular instances. Now, that said... It sounds like when, you know, the DA is saying, look, uh, this yardstick or, you know, your measuring stick, whatever it is, if that's 10 feet in the real world and I can measure 10 feet in whatever software, then that is a good uh, relative accuracy, right? That's good for us to showcase. We know this is 10 feet. That's 10 feet. So essentially you're using scale constraints at that point. Exactly. Exactly. That's what we're doing. Um, I just want to clarify one little thing. So this is presenting a criminal case mm -hmm. based on some actions of a driver. So we're not talking about all the other stuff. When you get into reconstruction, um, there's a lot of formulas involved and they want to reconstruct it for safety purposes. So we have standards uh, in California where I'm from uh, where they want to see that um, they call it sweaters, but they want to see specific measurements and things, which is separate from the court process. Hmm. So it's a whole separate issue. And I think that's where a lot of things get jumbled up. Are we trying to prosecute a case and what's going to be acceptable versus are we um, trying to reconstruct this accident for maybe insurance purposes or um, some other legal reason? Usually it's a lawsuit or something down the road. Hmm. So there's two kind of different ways of looking at it. And I think that's where people get hung up on things. True. Yeah, well, I think it's an extremely important point. But as far as, you know, the difference between absolute accuracy and relative accuracy, where this 10 foot measurement is in the real world comparative to this 10 foot measurement is 10 feet in the actual map itself. It seems like the DA, it seems like even in insurance in some cases, and, you know, we've, we would love to have some more insurance carriers on the show and kind of talk about this. But it seems like as long as we can say, in this map or model, 10 feet laterally is 10 feet on any given axis, that that is sufficient data rather than taking the time to geo-reference that data and say this 10-foot section is over on the I-5 between Pasadena and I have no idea where because I don't live in California. So, <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, is that is that the case? I mean, it seems like that's what's going on because at the end of the day, you know, you're not going into court and going through PIX4D and, hey, here's my model, right? It's more of here's my JPEG PDF, I, and here's the scene and what happened. In, in fact, I've been asked to, hey, could you just, all the, after showing all this work in, in PIX4D, can you just screenshot that for me? And that's literally what they wanted to present in court. Well, I got to say it's fascinating because, um, you know, I have been such a staunch uh, advocate for very high levels of accuracy, even to the point where, uh, Bill, I'm sure you're listening to the show, uh, Bill makes fun of me all the time. <laughs> but, uh, but my point is, is that, look, you know, you guys are making decisions. You want to make sure that you uh, have the right formula, the right system to make those decisions. But it's so much easier to prove relative accuracy than it is absolute accuracy, a.k.a. where the map is in the real world. And so yesterday we went out 
And uh, after after you giving me a hard time and a couple other people in the office calling me out saying, Paul, it might be time to take a second look at Skybrows because I have been so anti Skybrows. You know this, right? I, I, and I do you do. know and you know the basis of why I was so anti Skybrows? Yeah, they're um, when they launched uh, years ago, it didn't work. Well, not only that, but, you know, if imagine we're taking, you know, a 20 megapixel sensor and we're essentially now only use utilizing eight megapixels of that sensor when we shoot with video. But I did a, uh, you know what, let's do a trust but verify. And then we said, let's just go out. Let's go cause an accident. We didn't actually cause an accident. We just did a fake accident. Um, although it was PJ once again in the driver's seat, in case all of you were wondering, for all of you who have taken our mapping class and know that inside joke, uh, PJ was driving again, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> and got himself caught up in another convertible. And it was actually another Mustang, which is even funnier. I didn't realize that. <laughs> but uh, long story short is uh, we went out out and we used Pix4D and we did a couple of different acquisition uh, methods. We did video, we did orbits. And you know what's funny is we didn't actually do the tried and true accident reconstruction acquisition strategy, right? The double grid with the triple orbit. Um, so we did that and then we used Skybrows because look, we can create all these maps and as long as we have you know, drone you landing pads in them, every single landing pad has multiple scale constraints. So we can test those scale constraints. Now, while they were small, we also did other scale constraints. And so we essentially said, look, let's just go out there. Let's test this. Let's give it another run for its money. And I have to say, uh, you know, Bobby, I don't hate you just to be, just to be clear, but, uh, I think that you, sir, have done a phenomenal job at really changing, uh, the, uh, um, efficiency, productivity and use of your application. And so here comes the actual bombshell for everyone who says we don't have actual bombshells on the show, but you are using Skybrows right now instead of other applications due to speed efficiency. And when you go in and actually measure scale to say, okay, how accurate are my actual measurements going to be? It is sufficient enough for you to use as evidence. Is that right? Absolutely. And so another thing that we always have to teach uh, in our accident reconstruction class is which particular applications are actually CGIS compliant. And if you aren't familiar with that, it's criminal justice information systems compliance. And so it seems like Skybrows is CGIS compliant as well, even though it's a cloud-based software. Is that right? That's correct. Wow. So we went out and tested this. And uh, what, did, what did we find? What did, what did we find <laughs> other than uh, Pix4D? This is, your, this is your official warning that your new algorithm for step one is really, really messing a lot of things up. And, uh, uh, you know, I've mentioned this to them uh, for a couple months now. We, we have a class right now. And they're actually struggling to do certain exercises that we normally do. And so we're having to, like, re kind of factor in the way that we're teaching Pix4D because I think PIX has been so hyper-focused on speeding up step one that we're not getting kind of enough points in data. So here's what we did. Before you go on and, and give the, the cool aspect of it, we ran five tests. 
We did Skybrows uh, Overcast. We did Skybrows in Harsh Light, so we had lots of shadows. We also then did a double orbit to try to kind of match the acquisition plan from Skybrows, but we did them as photos, and we ran that in Pix4D, and then we ran the video that was taken via the Skybrows app in Pix4D as well. So here's the interesting part. This was probably the only test that we have ever done, Steve, where we got all those acquisition methods on one battery. <laughs> I mean, that was really, really, really cool. You know, just to say this, you know, I've always been anti-video for mapping and modeling. I would argue I still really am um, because the one thing that I think Skybrows did not do very well, which you're about to hear how well it did on everything else, um, is we weren't able to get shell casings, right? We tried to get that minute detail and it just it kind of wasn't picking it up but take the lead we did the test yesterday paul got checked in his mind <laughs> about we did the what test. yeah it took uh, a minute 30 seconds to do it twice so three minutes total with the phantom four mm-hmm. um the final test was processed we we actually tried to do a little competition to see processing time and uh, we uploaded the videos into Skybrows at the same time that we started processing and it it was able to complete two um, two of our maps that we did in the same time that it was it took well, actually, it beat. It did two faster than one. one so yeah. on Pix4D, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, to clarify, I was running Pix4D on a laptop, a very powerful one, and he was actually. We kind of started a timer, right? He started the upload of the data into the cloud from Skybrows, and I pressed start on the project for Pix4D, and he had two projects completed before I had one done. But not only that, the quality from Pix comparative to Skybrows. What did you see? Yeah, the the model itself uh, was. Uh, nice. It was clear uh, from Skybrows versus the PIX model for the same data set. And then uh, we measured the accuracy and, uh, and we found uh, we, using known points with the, like the landing pads that have a two foot mark, we, we checked those and that came out to what? 1.97. Yeah. So three one hundredths of a foot off, um, but extremely accurate. And so that's when I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to poke holes in this thing. I'm coming for you, Bobby. And so I'm kidding, Bobby. But anyway, I wanted to say, how can we screw this thing up, right? So as many of you know, you can take a scale constraint, right? But if it's a small scale constraint, uh, sometimes the margin of error as far as relative accuracy is concerned can be minute, which is why we want to kind of test bigger scale constraints. So we tested two bigger scale constraints, one on the X, one on the Y axis. What do we see? Yeah, uh, we saw, and I'm I'm fuzzy on the exact numbers. Do you remember it's what okay. the exact numbers were? Uh, if I remember, um, uh, it was like sixteen point four five versus sixteen point six four. Is that right? Something I don't remember the yeah. exact either. I just remember the fact that every single scale constraint that we took, no matter the length of the scale constraint in Skybrows, was at maximum four one hundredths of a foot off. Now, not an inch, a foot, okay? Now, that said, when we looked at PIX4D, and we ran this as, for everyone familiar with PIX4D, we ran it in multiple uh, processing options. So here's what I did in one project. Uh, We ran the photos from the double uh, orbit, and I ran it as a uh, 3D models. And then uh, just a regular process, the LAS, did a 3D textured mesh at medium res standard, pushed that out did not compare to Skybrows. Then I did a uh, th- 
another 3D models. And instead of doing um, half scale, I did one to one and I turned on geometrically verified matching and ran that data on the same photos. That looked a lot better. I would say it looks better than Skybrows, but we have a giant hole in the parking lot. Um, and then we ran the actual video from Skybrows into pics and took out one out of 20 frames, ended up being 277 shots. It looks awful. Yeah, I would bad. not use that data ever. Um, and with Skybrows, we were just seeing, again, you know, maximum four or five one hundredths of a foot, whereas Pix4D, no matter the difference uh, in the data set that we did, was off by a tenth to two tenths of a foot, which is that's a significant difference. And here's the interesting part for, for everyone who I have said, oh, yeah, screw Skybrows. You can't do modeling from video. I still think that that is relevant as far as details, right? Again, we go back to the shell casings. We go back to we can't see some of the finite details that might be important. But it's not the only tool that we're using, right? right. Yeah. And, and Skybrows was designed for public safety. I think we need to point that out. And and I if I was going to make a model, let's say of a cool statue or something, I wouldn't use Skybrows. No, me either. never. I would I would probably use Pix4D or something um, similar. But um, for what we are, we're we're public safety. We're I like to keep things simple. The Kiss method, mm -hmm. right? And the simplicity of it with the accuracy is what blew me away. Um, and that's that's why we started we started to use it because it's easy to teach dumb cops. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> They're not all dumb. And, no, they got a heart too. But uh, no, I think I think that that's uh, it was a, it was fascinating, frankly, of just how good the relative accuracy was. Now, so to clarify for all of you, there's no GCP marking, there's no geo referencing whatsoever, but they're still able to control the linear measurements off of the scale constraints. And that's why when I saw some of your other maps and whatnot, and I saw that you were using those drone U landing pads, the GCP ones, and you're using those scale constraints, it just made me so happy that you're still getting so much use out of those landing pads. And I will say, I really, you know, I always thought of scale as a backup. I never thought of it as a primary. And now that uh, your department and other departments, a lot of other departments are utilizing Skybrows and they're, they're verifying this data on multiple axes with multiple scale constraints. I got to say, I think it sounds, I think it is the better solution than PICS. I'm not saying it's the solution for accident reconstruction. We go back to the deviation between federal investigators and state, county, local investigators. And it's kind of two different realms, right? Because the feds, they need to know... Kobe accident, Calabasas, right? right? Where was that helicopter crash in relation to the world? Where was it in relation to the highway? That's important. Right. But for your cases, we already know that we're in a specific part of the world because you're investigating it. And as long as we can prove that, hey, look, these are the measurements that we took. And this is how we, you know, controlled those measurements to see how accurate they were. It's it's getting the job done for you guys. Absolutely. It absolutely is. Wow. Well, on that uh, actual bombshell, it sounds like uh, Skybrows might actually be a solution for public safety as a whole. So my question is, um, is this going to be good for fire departments as well? 
Oh, absolutely. I think anytime you need something uh, rapid, something quick, streamline, uh, and you can throw that up there because it can give you uh, elevation, stuff like that. So uh, I think it would be definitely beneficial for fire departments. Awesome. Well, it seems like Skybrows has really come a long way because a lot of people, not only me included, were very anti-Skybrows, but some other people have really been trying to say, hey, Paul, it might be a good idea to take a second <laughs> look at this. So, right, John? Hey, Paul. Who comes into camera? <laughs> I told you. I told you. I bring it up, I get ridiculed. You bring it up, you get a podcast. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, John, uh, I know that my credibility with you has definitely sunk a little bit. <laughs> you know what? You softened them up, though. I did. I with, did. Without you, I, I, I think I would have got ridiculed. I think it, that's what... Yeah, but then I would have had a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but here you are. Here you are. Anyway, right, gentlemen, do it your thing. Anyway, thank you everyone for joining us again. Hopefully this show is useful for you. And uh, John, thanks for the humor as well. John is here filming our new Props Public Safety course. So for all of you that are in the fire service, that are in law enforcement, we are trying to create an end-to-end -end solution to make your job easier because your job is already hard. You're already put in between two powerful forces that really kind of make your life extremely difficult and we want to make it easier. So make sure to check that out. Probably be out by the end of the year. But uh, Steven, thank you again for coming. Steve, not Steven. Steve. Either way. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Paul. All right, Bobby. There you go, buddy. You're welcome. I'm sorry. And uh, great job in the evolution. I feel like a lot of people know I've given Bobby a really hard time. I'm like, you cannot do modeling with video, you know, and explaining the science behind that. But uh, I think he's figured out some sort of algorithm to get his his uh, photogrammetric engine to really work well. And Bobby, you deserve all the props in the world. Great job of taking a failure and turning it into a success. Seriously, well done. On that note, that's going to do it for us here at DroneU. My name is Paul. This is Ask DroneU. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.